Awesome. Well, we are, yeah, my name is Kurt Buchanan, and uh, we are um, wrapping up a series on the book of Romans. Uh, but just want to say hello to our online crowd. Again, we're glad that you're here with us. And again, as you notice, again, we still have camera people that are welcoming in Hillcresters from all over um, uh, through summer holidays and all that kind of stuff. Again, Steve asked, yeah, who's in summer mode or who's in fall mode? Um, and uh, how many of you, at least over the summer, have done something kind of fun? Like you got to be by a lake. Anybody got to see a lake? Okay, during the winter months, not many of us go and see lakes. Some people get out there and go fishing and that kind of thing. Um, how many of you saw something this summer that you usually don't see again, like something like a mountain? Anybody go and see a mountain? Anybody get to see some other beautiful country? I hope you enjoyed your summer, but uh, I have to admit, I am, while I'm, I feel like I'm still in summer mode, I really like fall. It kind of feels like the Monday of the year to me, and I like Mondays. Lots of people don't like Mondays because it's like back to work. But I really like it. I get excited about all of the things that are going to be happening uh, in the, the fall. And uh, I like settling into routines and all that kind of, you know, all the back-to-school supplies that, you know, kids have to be getting. You know, I bought myself a new pair of shoes, too. I, I didn't, I'm not sure if I needed them, but I just felt like it was the right time to get some new shoes. Anybody else kind of back-to-school happens, you're like, I need a new outfit. Um, or fall fashions. I mean, who doesn't love fall fashions? It's great because you're not entirely buried beneath a parka to survive uh, but some of us don't look good in shorts. That's the reality that, that's out there. Um, did you know that in the fall uh, is actually the best time to make your New Year's resolutions? If you wait until January, it's too late. Uh, kind of the way that our world works, right? This is the time to set good habits uh, in terms of uh, what you do. So if you have goals in mind of what you want to achieve, now is, this, is the time to have those in mind and to begin uh, working your plan, and you're more likely if you start now to achieve those goals and to set those kind of new routines in place than if you try to do that mid-January. Uh, and the reason why I mention that is because uh, we want to help you set some spiritual goals around Hillcrest. You heard lots about it last year, uh, but our discipleship pathway, you know, you can see these banners over here. Five different things, celebrate big, connect small, walk with Jesus, share the work, and engage in mission. And uh, there's goals we think that everyone who's a disciple of Jesus should have in these Areas. And we're going to be telling you more about that in the coming weeks and getting you to have a moment of reflection and to think about what are my goals spiritually, how do I want to grow. And then not only do we want to take a moment like that to kind of reflect on that, but we also want to be there as a church to help support one another. You know, we want to be there as staff and program leaders to make sure uh, that you're able to find the things that are going to be most helpful to you in taking a step forward in your spiritual journey. So stay tuned uh, in the coming weeks uh, for that. We're really excited about that happening here in the fall. Now we're wrapping up this series on Romans, uh, which is again one of the letters, if you're new to us, one of the uh, letters uh, in the New Testament that's in the Bible, and it's written to the early church. Not too long after Jesus Christ lived, died on the cross, and then was raised to life. Uh, and before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told all of his disciples to become disciple makers. And that's why we're here today as a church. Again, Hillcrest is a place where we connect for Christian discipleship. And we want to learn more about what Jesus taught, what he did, and begin to put that into practice in our own lives. Uh, and we also want to play our part in helping others to do that as well. That's disciple 
making. Again, Jesus often gave an invitation and said, follow me. And people would follow kind of before they committed. But once they were kind of committed, then they were a disciple. And to be a disciple of his was to commit to the idea that you would become a disciple maker. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's great. If you're a disciple of Jesus, that's even better. If you become a disciple maker, that's really what God had in mind for you in his kingdom. Anyways, as we're wrapping up Romans, we've got a lot to kind of uh, review and a few things to kind of cover off before we can kind of put this book back on the shelf and start reading some other ones. Okay, so we've got a lot of high points we want to talk about today uh, and a few themes from the last few chapters. So let's hop into a, uh, a recap of where we have been in Romans. Okay, how many of you have at least attempted uh, in some measure to kind of read along with us in Romans, uh, you know, whether you version or, or grabbing the, the Bible? Out? Great. Uh, glad that you're uh, following along with us. So, so far kind of what we've learned, a few highlights. Uh, Paul's hope was to partner with a strong Roman church for the sake of the gospel. And actually, we haven't seen that much yet in the book. That's kind of, it's the last few chapters that kind of talks about all of this. So we've kind of been introducing this idea to you as we've been going, and that kind of comes from the later chapters in Romans. But he wants to partner with the Roman church for the sake of the gospel. He wants to reach more people, and he wants to use Rome as a base to reach out to other people. So that's the whole reason why he wrote Romans. But the gospel is at stake when a church is divided. Okay, And there are theological points that aren't fully understood or fleshed out, and so there's tensions in the church. And so, for example, when Paul wrote to the Galatians, they had a few things that were just even out of order in their theology. And he says, if you get things out of order, it can actually lead to you having no gospel at all. So again, he, call, he writes that letter to correct them. The gospel message is of ultimate importance, and nothing else should be more important to a Christian than the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to live by it, be defined by it. We need to be saturated in it. We need to meditate on it and have it transform us. The gospel is the power of God. And so Paul uses the gospel message to unite and strengthen this Roman church. Okay, so again, Paul uses the gospel to overcome uh, the division and in order to create unity. And so we learned that there was this division or there was this tension in the, uh, between the Jewish and the Gentile uh, believers for various reasons. And Paul uses the gospel as the basis for uniting the Roman church. And he says if they really understood the gospel, there wouldn't be this division. See, the gospel message is the best hope to unite and transform the Roman church and the best hope to transform us. So we must understand the gospel message. If we want to make changes in our lives or see positive change in our world, we need to be saturated in the gospel. We need to become fluent in the gospel, thinking, dreaming, and speaking to one another in light of the gospel. So, if we have to understand the gospel, we better take a look at what it is. The Christian gospel is filled with bold claims about the nature of reality, about life, about death, purpose, meaning, and our relationships to God, other people, and the world. Its claims, if they are true, are of infinite importance to every single person in the world. So we had better understand what they are and choose for ourselves what we will do with them. First off, the gospel is good news. That's what the word means, good 
news. But it's good news that comes to a bad situation. So many people, maybe if you've been around Christianity for a long time, and the different ways that people have talked about giving or sharing the gospel, have used a thing called Romans Road. Anyone ever heard of Romans Road? Okay, I get a few key verses that kind of walk a person through the gospel. We're going to kind of take a look at a little bit of that as we go and are reminded of what we've seen already in Romans. So, number one is that there's this God who wants to have a relationship with you. Some of his attributes are on display in creation. He wants us to know him. He wants us to have the knowledge of God. Number two, our sin has separated us from God. And there's this reality of sin and death. See, despite the fact that God is clearly on display, humanity chose not to glorify him, to give thanks to him. And we end up suppressing truth, the truth in our world, his truth, through our wickedness. And through our sin and rejection of God, our thinking and our behavior spiral out of control bringing more pain and destruction into our world for ourselves and for the people around us. We see this all in Romans chapter 1. Here's Romans 1 verses 18, uh, beginning in verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Further down in Romans one twenty-five, further telling the story of humanity, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things, created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And we still do this today. We worship things lesser than God, things that we have created or made. And we exchange the truth for a lie. Further down in Romans verse 28, it says this, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, we're affected in how we even think, so that they do, not do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, They not only continue to do these things, but they also approve of those who practice them. God is on display. He wants to have a relationship with you. He really does. This loving God made you to be in a relationship with him. But there's this reality we must face of sin and death. There is such a thing as sin. Many people in our world would try to say that there is no such thing that we need to do with that whole idea. And not only is there such a thing as sin, but the Bible is really quite clear about what sin is. And we've seen throughout Romans that everyone is guilty of sin, whether they're religious or they're not. Sometimes they're religious or worse. Romans 3, verse 10 says this, As it is written, 
There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. This is Romans 3, verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, just doing good things. Rather, through the law, we'll be conscious of our sin. Romans 3.23 says this. This is the part that's from Romans Road on, on this part. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sin doesn't just bring harm into our lives or into the lives of others. Sin actually brought with it death. We see in Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one, uh, one man and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. It doesn't matter what sins we have committed, committed, whether it is an attitude of the heart, like pride, whether it's in what we say, whether it's sexual sin, whether it's disobeying our parents or not showing mercy, we are all guilty. Everyone is on the same page, religious or not. We are all, all sinners Sin is the problem with the world, and we are incapable of freeing ourselves or others from this reality, the harmful consequences of sin, and the reality of death. So again, the story, as we follow through Romans Road, is there is this God who wants to have a relationship with you. He's revealing himself to you, but our sin separates us from God. We must face the reality of sin and death. But there is salvation. Romans 3, verse 21, it says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. So we've been building to this point all through the Bible. It's been leading us to this point. The righteousness, not of Kurt, but the righteousness of God. Verse 22 says this in chapter 3. The righteousness, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Freely. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So salvation, uh, I've heard it said this way, salvation from the penalty of sin, salvation from the power of sin, and eventually salvation from the presence of sin. See, God's wrath wasn't poured out on us in its full measure. Rather, it was poured out on Jesus on the cross. God is the righteous judge who demands justice for sins, for the sins that we have committed. And he is the one who pays our debt of sin. Sin is dealt with. The debt of sin is paid for those who put their faith in Jesus because of what Jesus has done on the cross. There's no longer um, the penalty of sin for those that put their uh, faith in Jesus and receive his salvation. Salvation from the power of sin. Romans 6 tells us that we can be free from the power of sin. Again, if you have a debt, it has to be paid. There's usually terms for the debt. Regular payments and crushing interest. You own the debt, but the debt also owns you. 
And only when you are free of the debt does it lose its power over you. Jesus' salvation is not only, again, from the punishment or the penalty, his wrath against sin, but it's also freedom from the power of sin and that it has a power in your life. Uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, kind of a financial advisor guy, many of you would know about his advice. He always says, what can you do if you don't have payments? Anything you want. He says, with your money. If you don't have payments, what can you do with your money? Anything you want. And that's a freedom uh, that we can have in Christ that uh, we have this freedom from the power of sin in our lives. Um, Romans 8 and 6 says this, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Doesn't that sound better? Who doesn't want to have life in the spirit? (laughs) Life and peace. Abundant life. The spirit helps us in our weakness, 826 says. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of God because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Not only that, we get to look forward to one day where we will be with Jesus forever in heaven, and there will be no more sin. We won't feel its effects there anymore. We will be free from the presence of sin and its destructive power. Fourth, there is an invitation to be the children of God and experience eternal, abundant life in Jesus. Romans 3.23, again, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. This Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. We sang it earlier. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. If you are offended because the gospel calls you a sinner worthy of judgment and death, don't ignore this part. He also invites you to share in God's glory. He wants to adopt you as a child. He welcomes us to call him Daddy, Abba Father. There's no other religion that has an invitation like that. There's no other philosophy that so adequately speaks to the human condition, our brokenness and failings, and also to our deepest longings to be adopted, to be a child of God. So there is a God who wants to have a relationship with you, but you must first face the reality of sin in your life, the reality of sin in our world and death. And there is salvation, and there is an invitation to eternal, abundant life in Jesus. Now when an invitation is given, the ball is in your court. You respond or don't respond. The gospel message is about God's love, our sin, our need for a Savior, His salvation, 
and eternal abundant life for all who put their faith in Jesus. So will you put your faith in him? Will you respond to him? Will you accept his invitation? Will you give your life to him as Lord and Savior? See, if you reject the idea that there is this loving God who wants a relationship with you, you're rejecting the gospel. You're rejecting good news. If you reject the idea that there is sin, and that God defines sin, not you, you're rejecting the gospel. And the gospel is actually good news. If you reject Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, you're rejecting good news. If you refuse him, you are refusing eternal, abundant life, life in all its fullness. But if you will, soften your heart, receive his mercy and grace, humble yourself, come to him admitting your spiritual poverty and received his gift of salvation, you can freely have abundant eternal life. And I would just say, if the Holy Spirit is drawing you now, if you sense your heart warmed somehow towards him, or your mind being centered on him, and you've never invited him into your life as Lord and Savior, can I invite you to pray this prayer with me? You can say it out loud, you can say it in your heart, but would you say it if you've never invited him in or received his invitation to be a child of God, pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, thank you that you love me and sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And help me to live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. For those of us who put our faith in him, we not only receive the promise of eternal life, we begin to see that God works even now in our favor and can have the confidence to face anything that life throws at us. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Verse 37, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is verse 12. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Once the gospel takes root in your life, I think you become one of those good news people. If you've experienced good news, hey, good news, I just heard good news, good news for me, good news for you. Wouldn't you want to share that with other people? 
And again, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Remember that Christianity is about the good news. So share the good news with people. They can be offended if they want. They can stay stuck and enslaved in sin if they want. If they're not willing to admit that there is such a thing. But for anybody who's willing to hear the gospel, it comes to them as good news. And again, once it takes root in your life, it leads to that personal transformation. We see in Romans 12, again, we went through it last week, but there's this transformation that begins to happen as you understand the gospel, as you understand all of the things that God has done, we can actually begin to be transformed from the inside out, through our thinking, through our heart's motivations. It all begins to change. It also leads to community change. We see that, yeah, you can be transformed through the renewing of your mind, but we also see that as each one understands and contributes their gift in love, it leads to this community transformation within the body of believers and from there out to the world. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about as we continue on here. We become agents of change in our world as we use our gifts so again, Steve just did this last week, and again, if you missed any of these messages, I encourage you to go back and um, go into them in more detail than we can cover as we just quickly review. But there's this living sacrifice in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Again, he, Paul teaches again in Romans 12, this is in verse 6, that we all have different gifts according to the grace that is given to each of us. It gives us these encouragements to love sincerely, to hate what is evil, to cling to what is good, be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, to live in harmony with one another, to be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, to live at peace with everyone. Verse 20 says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. We read in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now that brings us up to uh, today. That was the recap, beginning of Romans to now. We've got five minutes left to do the final four chapters. So you better listen as quickly as you can. Okay. I think Steve said it well. He summed up kind of these, some of these final chapters. He said they're a great pandemic playbook. And uh, I think if anybody was really uncomfortable during the pandemic with what happened with vaccines or our government or friends and family and all of those dynamics... Um, if you, in maybe reading your Bible de- devotions, bumped into Romans chapter 13 or 14 or 15, uh, you probably had to humble yourself a little bit. I found I had to do that. Politicians, <laughs> how do we treat them? Governments and local councils, how do we view them? Taxes, do we really need to pay them? What about evil regimes? If you live under Hitler or Stalin, are you supposed to obey them? Uh, in Romans 13, the government is seen as God's authority. In Revelation 13, it seems like the, gover- the government is working for the devil. 
So which one is it? A few uh, thoughts. God is the ultimate authority. And he works through human authorities. But they are human. And therefore, sinful. So, we experience good governors and bad governors. We see that in various ways all around our world. But God's sovereign plan is not thwarted by sinful humans. Again, when what looked like the weakness of God in the cross, <laughs> whether all of the religious leaders or political rulers, sinful people, put him to death on the cross. And yet it's the greatest expression of his love, the greatest expression of his power. It was mysterious, and yet he accomplished more in that horrible event for us than in any other thing. So, we have to remember that God is sovereign, whether we are under good leadership or poor leadership. What do we do in the meantime? Again, eventually Christ is coming as king, and everything will be put right. And we will enjoy his reign for all of eternity. Until then, we get to suffer the limitations of our leaders, whether that's human governments, whether that's in church leadership, maybe that's your boss. Here's the encouragement, I think, from the scripture. We talked about personal transformation, transformation and love and sincere love within the body of Christ. And then as we move outward, what are we supposed to do? Be good citizens. We're supposed to enjoy freedom under authority. We can be certain of this, good or bad, we're supposed to be praying for our leaders. And there is some obedience. We are supposed to play an obedient part as believers. The New Testament principle is that you should obey every authority and the institutions that you find yourself in, whether that's secular or in the church. You should obey. The only time when you should not obey is if they are asking you to sin. Unless they're asking you to sin, you should obey. In some ways, that's not even a little bit unclear. You do so because they are part of the authority that God has instituted. <laughs> Pilate said to Jesus when he was meeting with him not too long before Jesus was killed on the cross, Pilate said, don't you understand? I have the authority. I have the power. Like, your life is in my hands. And Jesus said, no, it's not. It's really in God's hands. Like, the only power that you have is what's been given to you by God. So we do so because it's God's plan for us to have authorities. You also you should listen and obey to authorities because, well, there are consequences. Some of you out there have had speeding tickets. It wasn't because you were going well within the speed limit. And not only that, but it's not just to avoid punishment, but actually, he says, because of conscience, because it's actually the right thing to do. <laughs> uh, Nikki Gumbel, who uh, leads Alpha and is involved in the Alpha course, teaching, he's, he was just teaching on praying about things. What should I do with my life? How should I proceed? If I'm a believer, you're praying and asking God for things, for direction. 
He says, this is one thing you never have to pray about. You don't have to pray whether or not you should pay your taxes. It's actually really quite clear. Paul goes on. He says, you should pay what you owe. Let's read a little bit from Romans 13. Romans 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subjected to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do, um, who do so will bring judge, sorry, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Verse four: For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Verse 6, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And again, I deal with this with my children. Again, creating too many rules becomes difficult both for a parent and a child. <laughs> Have you noticed that? It's much easier and better for both parent and child if instead you identify what you should aim at. So Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. What debt He says there's a debt you owe that, that you need to pay in love. It is the love of God for you. Poured out on Jesus giving his life on the cross for you. He loves you. It's immeasurably <laughs> more than we could hope for. He loves us. And if you know that debt, the amount of love that you have received, you will be well equipped to love the people around you and to play your part. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. That's what you should be aiming at. Verse 10 says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And he says, not, not only that that's, just what, that's the right thing to do, he says, do that understanding the present time. This is verse 11. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, Romans... Uh, 14, there's a conversation about weak and strong in the faith. And actually, I'd recommend you all to take a look at one of uh, Steve's 10-minute talks that he did during the pandemic. It's really great. It gives perspective on how exactly we should behave together. But for those of you who are familiar with it, I'd like to tell you just a quick story uh, from yesterday in my life. Uh, so 
I got to go on uh, a fun run, a color run, a fundraiser for Beads of Courage. Uh, the goal, this is for my uh, niece, um, who has been in, uh, was born prematurely and was in the NICU in Saskatoon. This is a fundraiser uh, for uh, the NICU, and this was, again, a part of her journey. Now, the fun run, the goal was to cross the finish line. Young and old, our whole you know, family was there running uh, in this you know, color fundraiser. And uh, see, every time that my niece was poked with a needle... They put a bead on a string, and I think it's about six feet long. <laughs> uh, and uh, she's not alone. I know many other uh, families have gone through huge challenges with their children. Anyways, this color run was for, uh, for our chance to kind of raise funds, to celebrate her life, the progress that she's made. Uh, so my wife and I and our three children, uh, my sister-in-law, my niece, and her grandparents were all there to run a five-kilometer you know, fun run. Now, I was itchy uh, to run, and to run fast. Uh, you know, I could have destroyed my niece. You know, she's only four. And, you know, and between the two of us, you know, she's the one who's had the spinal surgery in the last year. Now, not everyone in our family ran the full 5K, because it actually, you know, you had to actually do two laps, and, and it was a little bit, a bit confusing. But Avery along with her mother, my wife, uh, my daughter, and myself, we crossed the finish line together. Now, there were times when Avery needed to be carried. There were times when I wanted to just run. But instead, for the most part, we stuck together. And we ended the race cheering each other on. Most times, I think, when people end up in Romans 14, they're looking for a loophole on how exactly they can get away with certain kinds of things or do certain things or find a way to scold somebody else for what they're doing, and you're trying to figure that out. And it can be tense. It's dynamic. I understand that. But what came to my mind as I was reading through it again here this morning was just that simple story of my niece and the part that we all can play as a community in getting everyone, as many people as we can, across the finish line. So I hope, when you think about weak and strong brothers, the thing that's foremost in your mind about various issues that we could debate or dispute is that we stick together, that we make it across the finish line, that it's fun. That's all I'm going to say about Romans 14. Uh, I'm going to invite the worship team who did such a great job leading us earlier to come back. We're going to finish with a time of worship. I just want to give you a couple of things from Romans 15 and then finish with a, a moment of worship from Romans chapter 16. Romans 15 verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Each of us should... Please our neighbors for their good to build them up. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just 
as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Please don't let something divide us. Make every effort you can to remain in unity as a church and as a people, as family. Let's finish. This is Romans uh, 16, starting in verse 25. Maybe let's stand as we read this part, as we make it to the end of Romans. I want to just say again, thanks to this uh, team for coming and leading us in worship and encourage you to stop by and say uh, hello to them. They've got a table just out here. You can find out more about uh, their experience with their uh, school and uh, about them. Also want to say again, we're kicking off into a life group season uh, where we encourage you as many of you can to connect small for meaningful Christian discipleship. Uh, You can talk to Dave Wicks. Uh, He'll be hanging out in the entranceway as well today. Let's finish up with these words and then let's just worship. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen.